Episode 35, I believe, is the big number. It's supposed to be a big number with growth. We're still growing. I don't know how That'd big. I don't know. You got to define how big growth is, but this is our 35th episode. Uh, before we get started, be sure to check us out at threestarrecruits.com for all the blogs, uh, sports betting advice, DraftKings advice. DraftKings is unbelievably hot right now. I had a conversation with Mike yesterday. My man had to fill out a W-9 with DraftKings. So play DraftKings. Yeah. <laughs> Go follow him on Twitter, Obey underscore Breezy. He'll post all his blogs there. Uh, check out the other daily podcast, DFS Units, for our daily picks. Sunday mornings, that'll have your DraftKings and the uh, NFL picks for the week. So let's get into this podcast. Adam, did you post your blog? It is posted. Okay. A little so, recap of the Braves season. My feelings. Are they hurt? <laughs> it, was a, it, it was a sad couple of days. It was you like a four-day four, four stretch, dude. Four-day stretch. Painful. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. <laughs> hey, I can sympathize with you. I went through it a few years ago. <laughs> uh, it was bad. But I, I was hoping the Bills would give me a boost on Monday, but clearly that didn't happen either. So, you see, they uh, released Quentin Spain today. Yeah, I mean, just he's been hurt, so doesn't surprise me. He's been hurt. He's has he been starting? Oh, I'm thinking of the yeah. other guy. Sorry, you thinking, thinking of Feliciano? Yeah, I'm assuming Feliciano is coming back now if he got rid of Spain. But I think yeah. with all the moves they could make. Releasing a lineman's not really top of the list. Did I don't know, know if he's played. Actually, now that I think about it, I don't know if he's played the last couple of games. They said he's played like 20 straight games in the last two years or played 20 oh, games really? in the last two seasons. Yeah. I'm not sure it's uh, – I don't know. There's other moves there the Bills could have made. It. I mean, Josh looked flat again. He just yeah. looks – he looked disinterested. He needs to get re-motivated somehow. And maybe this week's the perfect week to do it, playing the Jets. I mean, the Jets are an absolute dumpster fire. Like I can't wait. Oh, my God. <laughs> Did we talk about last week how I heard that uh, they are trying to tank to go on 16? Yeah. Well, and... yeah, but now that now there's a new rumor out. There's rumors that if the Jets win the first overall pick, Lawrence is going back to Clemson for another year. Really? Yeah. yeah. He's been told by a couple of people that if the Jets, that franchise is so bad right now, if the Jets win that first pick, go back to school for another year. Pull the Eli, meaning yeah. pull the Eli. If you yeah. don't draft me, I'm not showing up. <laughs> yeah, so that that'll be interesting if that does happen. Of course, I don't know how you turn down that much money, but so here's the thing, though. What if, what if, uh, yeah, because I don't think quarterbacks the issue in New York. I think Darnold is good enough; he could be developed. They just don't have people around him. So yeah. do you do you know what happens? Like say, say that happens, and they say, "Oh, you gotta, uh, we're gonna draft you." And he says, "Well, I'm just not gonna sign the contract. I'm not showing up." Like, do we know what happens there? Like, can you just go back in the draft next year? Mm, I don't think so because I think when because I think when they when you get drafted, I think your that contract is guaranteed with that team. Do they own the rights yeah. to you for so long? Right? Is it like baseball? So I, I don't know how. I don't know how it works in football. Like baseball, you can get drafted after high school. 
But then if you don't want to sign with that team, you can go to college, but then you can't get drafted until after your junior year. I have no idea how it works in football. Yeah, it's, um, that's something I'm probably going to have to look up. Um, we'll make a note of that to figure that out. Trevor Lawrence <laughs> scheduling for a haircut. <laughs> and who is he signing with? Yeah, because I heard that Darnold, I read today that the Jets are just dumpster fire. Get rid of Le'Veon Bell. Adam Gase is still there. And then I heard that they could just start getting rid of a lot of people. Like, they're just going to start dumpster fire. Who wants it? You can have them. And I heard Darnold's not going to go during the season, but there's a really good chance, like, after the season, he gets traded off somewhere. It'd be interesting even if, if, they, if they try to trade him. Because obviously he's still got – well, we think he's got talent. We don't – we haven't seen it. We don't know. But it'll be interesting if they do trade him, what they can even get for him now. Who would need him right now? Or who would need him in general, even if it's the end of the season? Washington. Well, yeah, I guess you're, anyone you're, in NFC could probably NFC East could probably take him at this point. Your 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 boys in Detroit might want him. Uh, not yeah. until not until Matt Stafford can't walk into the stadium. <laughs> They're gonna just take him as long as they can. They think he's a Jedi or something. I don't know. That's a good question, Adam. Uh I think, I depends, on what, depends on what that asking price is, right? Right. I mean, if it if the asking price is driven down, and it's not much, then some random team would take a flyer on them as a backup or something. But yeah, I'm trying to think who would. What about the Giants? If they move on from Danny Jones and take Darnold, and yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think I feel like you're running the same issue there as you're doing. I I think the franchise is in a much better spot in with the Giants, yeah. but. I think you yeah. still have, you run into the same issues with weapons. Obviously, you get Barkley if he stays healthy, but Slayton has turned into a gem. Yeah, Golden Tate, who's you know been a pretty steady in the league for a few years. Yeah, I can't think off the top of my head who can want him. I mean, but speaking of quarterbacks, uh, Tua getting the call. I don't know if you guys got a chance to read up on this or hear about Fitzpatrick's response to this, but. Apparently he did a call today with the media and everyone assumed that Fitzpatrick was like, going to be very welcoming, like take the kid under my wing. And he's pretty upset about this move right now. And I, I mean, my personal opinion is I knew it was going to happen. Could happen this year, most likely, but I definitely didn't see it happening. Like right now, I mean, they're not playing that bad. They're still in the race. They're doing better than the Patriots in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, they're what, sitting second in the AFC East. Correct. Um, the only thing I can think of, and I know there's been a lot tossed around, is have they gotten calls for him? Um, Fitzpatrick. So yeah, Dallas. They they thought potentially Dallas and Washington could have called on him because the NOC is East is so wide open. I mean, if think about it, if you put Fitzpatrick on Dallas, how much better is that team? He's going to sling it. Yeah, and I, to me, he's a much better option than Dalton. You're probably right. I think Dalton's not a bad quarterback. He didn't have weapons in Cincy, but how long do you sit on the bench and you just basically rust away? You're not, it's almost like a fighter in like ring rust. Like if you're not out there doing it, but you do it in practice, like they're two different things in the NFL. Yeah. The field presence would be gone for sure. Or at least would take some games to rub off. Right. 
So I, I don't I don't hate that. I mean, they they talked about him going to Washington as well, and I, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, right. That NFC East is so wide open that you could do, you could make any move. And I mean, if if Dallas doesn't make a move at quarterback, I I don't think that division's any question now. Right. So, speaking of NFC East, we we can chatter about it. I actually have a uh, did some analysis today in my handy dandy notebook. I try to predict where this division could possibly go because I joked last week or with somebody and said somebody sub 500 could win that division and it could be really sub 500. And I did some just trying to predict like where they're at now and who they play. They still have a lot of divisional games left. The Eagles play the Giants two out of the next three weeks. We'll have a bye week in between there. So right now I have the Eagles winning the division. It's six, nine, and one. Cowboys five and eleven. Giants two and fourteen. Washington one and sixteen. I don't. I mean, I'm not. I'm not saying these predictions are going to be right, but I really think that somebody still sub five hundred is going to win that division. That's even if maybe the Cowboys and Eagles split somewhere in there, or the Giants pull one off against the the Cowboys. I don't know, but I still think somebody. Eight eight's not going to win that. It would win that division, but it might win it by like two games. I would think at least probably by the time this all shapes up, yeah. Yeah. So, by the way, Eagles, Giants tomorrow night. Eagles minus four and a half. If Slayton's out, take the Eagles. Uh, Even with the men, take the Eagles. Eagles are still hurt. No, no, Miles Sanders missing offensive lineman. Yeah. They, they look decent against Baltimore, though, so they've still, they've still got hope, at least. Um, the other quarterback I want to talk about is Cam Newton because there was no games on TV here except for Cam Newton and the Broncos Sunday. I don't know if you guys watched it. I watched it. Cam Newton sucks. I'm just going to say it. And not because he's on the Patriots. I'm just tired of like the media just blowing this guy. Max Kellerman this week said the only team in the AFC that's going to beat Kansas City is the Patriots. Swear to God. When? He said they'll get to Holmes, Kelsey, CEH are out. He he said that the Patriots will win the AFC East and they'll beat the Chiefs in the AFC championship game or in the playoffs in the AFC if they ever meet. I don't know if you guys watched the game. There's there's no way they couldn't. No, they look terrible. And the Broncos' defense is, I don't know, I'm guessing they're middle of the road this they year. They are middle of the road. So, I, I don't see I don't see anything. I don't know. We're talking about Max Kellerman. I, they, I think they'll, they'll potentially give the Bills a run if the Bills don't turn anything around. But there's no chance they can beat the Chiefs, I don't think. No. Um, the other developing story tonight is Seahawks are looking at Antonio Brown that he would be eligible to come back after week eight. Why would they want him? I mean, I, I know obviously why they would want him, but why would you want to associate yourself with him at this point? I, and I think Russ pro- mentioned Russ, you mentioned him last week, I think. Yeah, I, I don't remember how we got on the topic of him, but yeah, I think he's, I, I don't know. 
I'm not a fan of him. He's kind of proven to be a bit of a cancer wherever he goes, right? There's Could just too many good New England to put up with that kind of behavior. Yeah. And who did he sign with last year and then didn't even play for him? Raiders. Raiders. Yeah. I mean, he's a hell of an athlete, hell of a receiver, but talk about red flags, man. I don't know. I don't yeah. see why. I don't know why you take that risk. I mean, <clears throat> the guy got traded to the Bills, supposedly refused to go there, and then he got frostbite in Las Vegas uh, or California in a cryo machine. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't I mean, want to play it. in Buffalo. Is Seattle hurting for receivers? Is somebody hurt out there? Or? Uh, that's a great question. When I read this, I was like, "Why you got a good yeah. thing going in Seattle right now. Yeah, Metcalf's shown to be a number one, and I don't know their depth chart beyond that, but must they have like three injuries I don't know about. Lockett's been playing well. David Moore's a okay third. It's not – he's not anything special. Right. Uh, I don't know. I, I – me personally, I would stay away from him. But yeah, I don't. I wouldn't want him in the locker room. No. We we kind of had a conversation about Bell. I don't know if on the episode or off the episode, but how he could be a potential distraction coming into a locker room. To me, uh, Antonio Brown is far worse than Bell. What do you guys think um, about Bell going to the Chiefs? Uh. I don't think the Chiefs really needed him. I think it's going to be interesting with uh, that Edwards Alaire has proven to be a pretty good steal at the the end of the first round for them. He's he looks like a stud. And does that change the dynamic if you stop giving him the ball as frequently? I, from the Chiefs' perspective, I don't think they needed Bell, but I guess from Bell's standpoint, he's he sees it as an opportunity to win. So I guess I don't blame Bell for going there, but. If you're the Chiefs, if you're a fan of the Chiefs, you got to hope it doesn't screw up their chemistry. I see where you're going. Definitely. I listened to the game on the radio instead of watching it on TV, and it was like every other sentence, it seemed like that Edwards Alaire guy was. So, why would you? I know it doesn't have assets, but yeah, you're right. Do you want to mess with the formula if it's working? And maybe they've they've told Bell, hey, you're not going to get the ball all that much. And it's kind of an injury insurance, if you will, if Edwards Alaire were to get hurt or something. But. I don't know. If I'm a Chiefs fan, I still view Edwards Alaire as my number one back. Agreed. Oh, yeah. I would, too. I still, obviously, and they've got a good one-two combination with Alaire and uh, Will, Damian Williams, so I don't know why. Yeah. They basically got him on the cheap, right? Aren't the Jets still on the hook for most or all of his money? So here's what I learned. Uh, what, what day did he get signed? What, Thursday? Friday? Somewhere uh, in there. Yeah, somewhere around there. So here's what I learned. This is from this is a former GM of the Packers. He basically explained it. So you can't double dip in the NFL. Like if you are on a contract and you have guaranteed money that year and you get released like he did and you go someplace else, you can't get paid a separate salary from them. So he gets the guarantee from the Jets, who are still on the hook for I think it's like what what let's call it six million dollars. So him signing somewhere, it wasn't about the money, they said. Because what happens is it doesn't matter who offers the most money, the money goes to the Jets. So if you sign him for, unless you sign him longer than a year and somehow structure a bonus in there, 
anything you pay him this year basically kicks back to the Jets because they're on the hook for what his salary is. And I'm sure there's some wonky math in there somewhere, but the bottom line is you can't double dip. You can't take that $6 million from the from the Jets. The Chiefs are say, hey, we're going to give you $3 million to finish the year. Otherwise, that $3 million is going to go to New York. Okay. I think he, they got him for just over – what the, it's like just over a million or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Unless they gave him – I don't know if there's uh, some loophole where they could give him a signing bonus for this year. I don't know how that works. But the way I understood that when he was explaining it was anything within this year, you can't double dip. So it's got to go to the Jets because he's already going to get paid. And then if you want to sign him long-term, then you can throw in a signing bonus and give him more money. But for this year, you're kind of locked in at that money. I don't know if it's for salary cap or whatever they do. Or I don't know. Like I said, weird math in there somewhere. So you're saying that because they signed him for, we'll say a million dollars, whatever it was. So the Jets still have to pay him the $6 million or whatever he's owed. Uh, they're on the hook for – so if he gets – and again, I don't know if like it's six million. Well, like for figures, let's say he, he was on the hook for six million. Chiefs say we'll give you a million. I don't know if there's actual exchange of money there between teams, but if they say we're going to give you this much money, the Jets only have to pay the difference. Okay. He can't double dip. He can't get six plus whatever the Chiefs want to give him. Okay. I didn't. Well, I didn't know if you meant like the Jets would give Bell six million, but then the Chiefs would have to pay. I guess it wouldn't matter either way. Then the Chiefs would have to pay the Jets a million dollars. Yeah, I don't I don't know. Like I guess either way the math would come out, right? Right. Like yeah. if, if if they cut him a check when he walks out the door and say, Hey, here's what we owe you, get the fuck out, type of thing. And then they get some kickback by whoever signs him. I don't know. Right. That's good to know. You can't double dip, you greedy bastards. <laughs> I was trying well, to not get they're not getting paid enough. Yeah. I was curious about the Trevor Lawrence situation. I'm trying to search. Uh, there's some forum. Somebody basically said you can't. If the Jets were to draft him, they were using the Joey Bosa example from a couple of years ago. Oh, yeah. Because he right didn't sign right away. Basically saying if you refuse to sign, you can't play in the NFL that year, but you would be eligible to re enter the following year's draft. Seems a little, seems like a quick turnaround to me. So basically, yeah. Lawrence could, that's basically the equivalent of, uh, I guess if the Jets get number one, he could just not declare. Because yeah. if you hire an agent and then get drafted, you couldn't go back because you hired the agent, right? Uh, they've been changing those rules. Yeah, I think – I don't know. If, is it for the NFL too? I know the NBA did it. The NBA changed, and I thought the NFL did something, but maybe not. I don't know. You can, I think it's you can declare as long as you don't sign an agent, right? But the, the moment you oh, sign yeah, with an agent – The moment maybe you sign with yeah. an agent, you can't go back to school. Yeah, right. so you could de- – yeah, you could declare, not sign an agent, and then you could decide to go back. Yeah. I mean, so, if you're Lawrence, so do you? Let's say that happens. Do you go back to Clemson and play and risk getting hurt, or do you just kind of work out and get in shape? I would. I would think, as skilled as he is, 
as long as it wasn't a career ending injury, if he went back to Clemson and got hurt, he would still get drafted by somebody, you know, unless it was like an Alex Smith type situation, type of right. leg break. And you didn't know if he'd be back for three, three years or something, but it's she a minor injury. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So if he went back and got hurt in game three or something and missed the rest of the Clemson season, I don't think that would hurt his draft stock drastically, if at all, to be honest with you. I think it's important for him to keep playing because like we were just talking about with field presence, are you going to just take a whole year off of playing instead I, of getting that experience there? Yeah, yeah, I would almost – exactly, to that point. I would think sitting out a year might hurt your draft stock worse than playing eight games and then suffering an injury. Yeah, just keep showing up basically. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm glad we're talking about college football because Kyle sent me something that wound up being really funny. Uh, did you see the Duke quarterback sacking himself? He breaks oh, out, yeah. runs into his own player. All right. And, I was I was not a degenerate, up. but I may have bet the over in that game, even though I never watched Duke football. I did it <laughs> purely on stats, okay? So don't judge me. So I'm watching the Duke game, hoping for the over. And the Duke quarterback drops back. And then he tries to take off, and he marks Sanchez's it right into the center's ass. <laughs> but he hangs out of the ball. I was say, if he hung out of the ball, it's better. But he, he, what almost as bad as a fumble is he runs in the center's ass, and then he gets like hurt. He gets up, he's like holding his shoulder. I'm like, did you really just get hurt? You just ran into your own center. Well, the so funny thing to is, Taylor, and I'm like, I think I'm have a dud for the week for you. Well, the funny thing is, he didn't hurt his shoulder; he hurt his leg. Oh my God. <laughs> but uh, maybe the team will make hay now that they have a new quarterback on the field after their dismal one and five start for the season. But uh, on a positive note for Duke, their defensive end, Victor Duma KJ, I don't know how you even say his last name. Uh, he's about to break the sack record for Duke. It's currently at 22, and he's at 19 and a half. For season or career? Career. 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 He's got some games left, and it's possible that he can break that record. So that maybe some positivity to come. Duke's one of those schools. Defense if they're going to win any games now. Duke's one of those schools where they dominate basketball so much that I just assume they suck at every other sport. <laughs> <laughs> like when you when you said the career sack record at Duke, I was like, what? What is that? Like three? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah it's a golf program. Women's. Uh, they've got a couple. We got basketball, lacrosse, golf. That's about it. If we're going to pick out one college player on a team and say something negative, we might as well bring it back with something that's a little positive. It's not even getting paid. I mean, Russ has got a point, though. A lot they, of schools that you North, know of. North Carolina is one of them, <laughs> but North Carolina's turned into a football school because of yeah. uh, Mac Brown. Yeah. Who came out of, you know, he was at Texas at one point. but I mean, Duke's had a couple of good years <clears throat> recently. So, yeah, but... Danny Jones, baby. That's right. Danny Dimes. Yeah, true. It's true. All right. Any more football or can we move on? We can move on. I, I, I want to say one thing. Well, one, one thing. Sorry. Because it's obviously it's been talked about a lot, but the Bills given up, I don't know what it was, 275 yards of rushing. It's stupid. So everybody's complaining about that. And obviously the game plan was to shut Mahomes down passing, which they did. They got ran over, but again, if you, everyone's like, what, why not adjust? Because as soon as you adjust to stop that run, Mahomes is thrown for 400 yards. I, I feel like that's a tough situation with 
with Casey defending that because as soon as you start stacking the box, I feel like they're going deep on you. Yeah. I noticed Buffalo didn't really stack the box this week. Yeah. But they still, I feel like their line doesn't still doesn't try to like create that pocket. You know what I mean? Where you, right. you if you force Mahomes up the middle, you have a linebacker maybe waiting for him. Or if he goes, but I felt like there was too much space on the edges for those guys, even the running backs run too. Thanks for yeah. bringing this up because I do want your guys' opinion on something. <clears throat> the Mahomes run, this was game changing. The Mahomes run and scramble that he looked like he was going to go out of bounds. And then he pulled up and then he dove forward like three yards. So instead of it being like fourth and three, it was like fourth and one, fourth and inches. I like Mahomes, but me personally feel like that dude needs to get lit up once or twice to learn his lesson. And I never thought about it until he did it, but it opened my eyes to something. We have all these rules that protect quarterbacks in the NFL. You have rules that, you know, to protect players in general. That guy literally gave himself up and he basically worked the system and worked the rule. He gave himself up, and the, I felt like the defenders let up because he's like, oh, he's going to run out of bounds. They're not going to keep going at him and tackle him or hit him because you're going to draw a flag. So the mindset is, okay, he runs out of bounds. We got fourth down. But then he pulls up, guys let up, and then all of a sudden he goes again and just takes off or you know dives for a couple yards. I don't know what your guys' opinion on it is, but it was eye-opening to me, not just because it was the Bills. I just think that there, there needs to be maybe a – a rule or a judgment by the official to blow that play dead. Be like, he gave himself up. And because same thing, it's a safety concern. Like once he shows intent to go out of bounds, but how do you, how do you determine intent at that point? It's, it's still uh, right. But if you watch the play, he like, he almost, he completely stopped. Like he was going to go out of bounds, kind of tucked it and moved sideways. And then when the play started to like slow down, he took off again and he just like, he dove for like two yards. I feel like it goes back to the safety thing where if if a player is going to do that and they get hit, but now these defensive players saw him do that last week, what if one of those guys says, all right, I'm just going to keep going until you're out of bounds, pal, and he gets smoked, and then they're saying, well, you can't do that. It's Mahomes. It's our golden boy. But I feel like he's put that out there now where guys saw that last week, and they're going to be like, there it is, boys. He's, he's going to pull shit like that. Take just just hit him, just hit him, and I don't mean that in a malicious way to Mahomes, but I feel like it's it was a good play, but at the same time it was kind of cheap and cheesy to kind of play the rules where they protect you, and he knows they're not going to hit him there. Yeah, you got to squash it before it gets egregious because it's just going to get worse and worse if you don't. Yeah. So I I'm guessing in my conversation that was with in my other group message that night, but that's why the first thing I said as soon as I saw it was that was cheap. Because, and I think Edmonds whiffed on the tackle anyways, but if he doesn't let up and he hits him when he's headed out of bounds, they're throwing a flag on him, which then obviously we saw a couple other penalties after. But, and I don't remember, I tried to find it. I couldn't find it. I think a couple of years ago, a quarterback, I think I thought it was Andrew Luck, but I, I couldn't find it acted like he was going to slide and the defenders let up and then he took off for like an extra like five to ten yards and then they they just said yep that was fine but it was like he was literally trying to 
getting ready to slide and he saw guys let up so he took off again yeah it's like how much you it, it's so difficult to me the slide situation sounds like it'd be cheaper than the out of bounds situation yeah it is uh, i'm kind of on the fence with this one because you're right we saw the bills take two penalties for late hits out of bounds but after he did that yeah but i, I don't know I completely get what you guys are saying, but on the other side, it's like, I don't know, we always preach, you know, play to the whistle and it's yeah. tough. It's a tough call. I don't yeah. know. Not, not real sure which, what way I feel about that, to be honest. I definitely think he's opened the door for, you know, guys moving forward, whether it be the rest of this year or next, anyway, moving forward, that, that play is going to be ingrained in defense, in the defense's head. So I feel like he's opened that door now where he's going to start running out of bounds and you might see him take a shot or two because they're like, Oh, I saw what you did last week. You're not doing that again this week. So I think I would feel like it was real cheap. If he already had the first down and was going to go out of bounds and then pulled that to get like another 10 yards. But in that scenario as a defender, you've got to know, Hey, he's still three yards short of the first down line. I don't know. That probably doesn't make a hundred percent sense, but just different scenario. Right. I don't know. It's, it's a tough call. I just kind of see both sides of that one. Right. All right. Let's move on to UFC. The fight Island action. I'm rubbing my nipples. Anyway, uh, <laughs> some good fights this week. We got Khabib fighting Gagey. Uh, Robert Whitaker. Whitaker is fighting uh cannoneer. And I believe, I don't know who he's fighting. I like the guy that uh, tied to Alasa, the new guy from like New Zealand or Australia that does the shoeies after he wins. That's why I like to watch him win because he does the beer and the shoe chug. Can you, can you repeat that in English? It's, I don't know how to pronounce it. It's tied to Alasa. <laughs> and he does shoeies? Shoeies. Shoeies? You've never seen this? I, I'm confused at the moment. <laughs> So Do you know what he's talking about, Adam? No. Well, I, I understand he's drinking beer out of a shoe. That's about all I'm getting out of this. It's, he like, does. it's like German beer, how it comes in a glass boot, but out of yeah. a real... Tai Tuavasa. He's from Ty New Zealand. Tuavasa. Okay. So he's a heavyweight. If he wins, he would leave the... He can't do this now because there's no fans, but he would leave the octagon, take a fan okay. shoe, and it's apparently it's some... Yes. Apparently, it's some sort of tradition. Look this up. I'm not crazy. Wait, what kind of sh- what kind of shoe? Doesn't matter. A, a tennis a fan. shoe, like a, a fan shoe. shoe. Like oh, take a the- fan shoe. Okay. Yes. Okay. You spit in the shoe, pour the beer in the shoe, chug the beer out of the shoe. That sounds healthy. That's how the coronavirus started. <laughs> <laughs> Just figured it out. That's disgusting. I- <laughs> I didn't say it was healthy, and I didn't say it was enjoyable. <laughs> no, I just, no, I, I get, I get that. If you does, want, he, does he spit or does the fan spit? In the no, he does. So listen, go watch the latest embedded <laughs> video that's on YouTube. He does it with some. He shows people how to do it. But What's look this it up. guy's name? Ty Tuavasa. Is he on the prelims or what? I'm not. He must be on prelims. Yeah, I don't see his name at all. That's why I'm looking. He you sure is, he's fighting this weekend. Yeah, he's the main. <laughs> he's the main event on the prelims. He's fighting uh, Stefan Struve, okay. the guy oh, that's okay. like eight feet tall. Yeah, that's tall. That's tall. 
Got Volkov and Walt Harris. That could be a decent fight. It's not a bad card. Yeah, it's a good card. I'm Except gonna, I, it's I'm, in the afternoon. Yeah, it's yeah two, two o'clock. Yeah, it's two p.m. start. Of course, you've got all the prelims and all the mains. So by the time it gets to Khabib, it's still going to be ten o'clock at night. No, <laughs> I think the pay per view starts at at two. So. I think it's a two o'clock start. Yeah. Oh, for the actual yeah the card. Pa- the paper gotcha. the main card starts at two. God, the early prelims must be on really early then. Yeah, but no, they're scheduled. The early prelims start at eleven. They're going to be so far behind schedule. So I'm guessing there's only re- two early prelims though, so it don't matter. I'm guessing the reason they're going this early because normally they just fight in the morning, and the, yeah, the card is, is at night here. This is the the first Fight Island card where they've switched up the time like this. I assume it's because of the Khabib, right? That's my guess. You got to cater to Pretty Boy. That's I mean, that's guess. what you're going to get. You're going to get a lot of viewers from there, so <laughs> makes sense. So. We'll start with uh, Khabib, and I want your predictions. Uh, I think Gagey wins this fight. I think this is the fight that Khabib loses. I can't wait to hear Taylor's reasoning. I love this. This is I a just fight. loved your. I just loved your intro there. We'll start with Khabib. Gagey wins. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> great, great Khabib analysis. Yeah. <laughs> I went back today and I watched I watched his fight versus Poirier. I watched his fight against Michael Johnson. So here's the thing with Khabib. His last five fights, he fought Poirier for the belt. He hasn't fought since September last year. So Poirier, McGregor, A.I. Quinta, who took him to decision on short notice, Edson Barbosa, and Michael Johnson. Michael Johnson... Striker was only a junior college wrestler. Barbosa, striker. Iaquinta, striker. Iaquinta did wrestle at Nassau Community College, but he's a purple belt in jiu-jitsu. Connor, we all know, pure striker. Connor has actually only one win by submission. It was in 2012 by a guy. He submitted a guy named Dave Hill. Ever heard of him? Yeah, I didn't think yeah. so. He's my neighbor. <laughs> uh, and then Poirier, who is... A well-known boxer. He is a black belt in jiu-jitsu. This is the fight I think uh, he's going to struggle with. So I went back and watched the other two fights. I really thought Poirier had a good chance to beat him, and he almost did. He did have him in a chokehold in a third round, and he just he was really sweating. Somehow he got out of it. Khabib has never fought true wrestlers. He usually fights strikers. That's just what he does. I really thought with his grappling, he'd get trouble with a guy who's a jujitsu person. My personal opinion is the difference between jujitsu and wrestling is wrestling is more of a grappling where jujitsu is more technical and you're already on the ground. And wrestlers have that skill to defend from takedowns, probably a little better than jujitsu. There's a lot of guys in jujitsu who prefer just, they'd rather be on the ground on their back. Honestly, they were like, yeah, I prefer it. I can, I can submit people from my back. I think he's going to struggle with the strength guys who had, who were having success for him in fights. Uh, Poirier was Michael Johnson actually was, believe it or not. And I Quinta, who was probably the best wrestler he's fought struggle. He struggled to take them down. He's got terrible stand up and striking. And we know that Gaethje hits like a truck, but here's where I think it's going to be the difficult part for Khabib. 
Justin Gaethje has some of the most violent leg kicks of anybody in the UFC. He might have, it might be better than Jose Aldo. I don't know if you guys want to agree or disagree with that, but uh, I think Gaethje, I think he struggles to take Gaethje down. And when he does, he's going to have to stand. And I think there's enough film out there now on Khabib to know how his fighting style, he wants you to get close so he can shoot for the double leg. And I just feel like it's, Gaethje's a lot bigger than Khabib. So I think that might play a, a problem. Uh, I just feel like Gaethje's going to have the advantage here. It's going to be, I think it's going to be a good fight. I think it's probably going to go through at least four rounds. But I think Gaethje's probably the best option to beat him outside of Poirier. And Poirier has predicted that Gaethje wins this fight. Khabib has, does not have a good chin. And his his boxing skills when he is standing up, is they're terrible. I don't know if you've ever paid attention to it. His his mechanics to get out of a strike is terrible. He, I mean, he looks like, an, looks like a 12-year-old fighting in the lunchroom when he gets hit in the face. And that's why he goes for the double leg. So I like Gaethje in this fight because I want to see Khabib lose. Because if Khabib wins this fight, you're not going to see Khabib for a really long time. Khabib's going to sit on the sidelines. He doesn't want to fight Connor. He doesn't want to fight Poirier. So he's going to sit there forever. The only fight he wants, which we can talk about after you guys give your predictions, is he wants to fight GSP. So hit me with your predictions. You want me to get my, my, my predictions quick. Uh, Gaethje isn't a bear, so I'm going to say Khabib in four. <laughs> Adam's UFC analysis is like me talking about college basketball. <laughs> oh, um, I got. I'll be back. Taylor, just freeze. Uh, no, I was just confused what oh, was go. going on with Adam uh, there. Adam left, and uh, Taylor froze for a second. Yeah. Go ahead, Taylor. Yeah, what's going on here? I, I think it goes to Khabib. You made a, you touched on a lot of points that I was going to bring up a lot, being the difference between wrestling and jiu-jitsu. And we know Gaethje's a great wrestler, obviously. You don't wrestle Division One if you're not a great wrestler. Uh, but we've seen Khabib beat strikers before, and I think that that's the way this is going to shape up. It's going to be grappler versus a lot of striking. I don't think we're going to see Gaethje wanting to take it to the ground because, like you said, He's a wrestler. He's not going to like being on his back. I've seen it firsthand that when you go and you take a person that's new to jujitsu and they say, well, I wrestled in college. And then you've got two striped white belts that are putting them on their back. And then once they're on their back, they don't know what to do because in wrestling, once you're on your back, it's over. I think we see a slow drawn out fight. And then once they're tired, I think Khabib just wraps them up. I don't think it's going to be an exciting fight. I think it's going to be a technical slow fight that goes four or even all the way. Maybe we see a submission, but I think it goes a long way and it's a slow paced fight. Just to throw it in there, Khabib's, Khabib's not a jujitsu guy. He's just pure grappling. He has submissions, but his go-to submission is just a choke because he, he is mainly a, just a grappler. I don't think yeah. it's just, that's been his go-to. His move is to get your legs get his legs under your legs to keep him elevated. It's more of a grappling. It's not real technical as far as like jujitsu. Yeah. He uses, he uses grappling to set up his ground and pound, which may be some of the best the UFC seen yeah. in my opinion. 
Um, I think there's a little bit of your analysis of Khabib is a little bit like Adesanya where you really hate the guy. And I don't think you'll ever give him credit. Oh, he's a good striker. He's an asshole. But he's a good striker. <laughs> I think what's really important he brought up was the leg kicks from KG, though. I think that's going to end up playing a like, – like I said, if it's going to be a long, drawn-out fight, how many strikes are you going to see to the legs when they stand a up? A lot. Where it's going to really – I think that might end up playing to your favor. But I just yep. – you're 28 and 0, you're Khabib. I don't, I don't think this is the one. Yeah, um, I think I think Gaethje proves to be the toughest test he's seen yet. I definitely agree with that. I'm a huge fan of Gaethje. I would like to see Gaethje win. Um, I think a lot of what you said about Gaethje's striking ability against Khabib, who was not a striker, we've kind of heard that 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 was everybody's argument when Connor went to fight Khabib, and then that fight did not go well for Connor. Um, I, I don't know. I feel like Khabib is one of those guys where we always think the matchup is not in his favor, and then he goes out and finds a way to do something crazy and win the fight. And yes, if it's on the feet for majority of the fight, it's definitely an advantage for Gaethje. I think if it goes to the ground, he, I think he's the best on the ground we've maybe ever seen in the UFC. Yeah. Um, at, at the end of the day, I mean, I know Gaethje's, what, 22-2, and two, which is a hell of a record. Khabib's 28-0, and it's it's tough to argue against that. I, I Until Khabib loses, I'm going to take him. I think he finds a way to win the fight, and I say that as a fan of Gaethje. Right. Um, as far as what happens after this fight, you know, <laughs> I don't know. I, I think you get – at some point you get the 28 and 0. if he wins this, he's 29 and 0. you kind of get into that John Jones scenario. Of what else do I have to prove right now? You go up. And while GSP, yeah. <clears throat> and while GSP has, you know, he's retired basically, but I think that has a lot of the greatest ever versus greatest ever kind of feel to it. And my guess is he's trying to do something like that. Whether so, or not that's the best fight for him. No, it's probably not. But, right. I think that's the reasoning behind it. So I, I, the reason that the whole GSP thing doesn't sit well with me is just for the record, I don't really dislike Khabib. I just, I'm not a big fan of the guy who he wins the belt and just sits on the sidelines. Like he doesn't like to fight. He finds, you know, he's pulled out of fights, Ramadan, not fight for that. Even though other fighters who go through that do fight, but he always uses the reason not to fight not knocking someone's religion i'm just saying he's used it as a reason not to fight where other guys are also doing it still fight mm -hmm. um so the problem with the gsp thing is i looked at the gsp is gonna be 40 years old in may if he wins his fight by the time they actually get around to fighting gsp would probably be 40 years old this is to yeah. me is like tyson saying oh i want to fight ali for my legacy like i get you like that matchup of gsp because of the legacy because that's what he keeps talking about it's my legacy it's my legacy but if you're going to carry that belt, you know, I mean, eventually Dan is going to be like, I'm not doing this. I'm not holding up the division, especially for the division that's been very congested for a little long time. We've already seen Dana kind of say, I'm not holding up the division when Khabib didn't fight Tony back in, what was it, May? May 4th, yeah. Yeah, and I think 
And that wasn't really Khabib's fault. There was a lot of the, the COVID stuff going on. They had told Khabib, you're not going to fight in the U.S. We're going to fight in Abu Dhabi. He moved to Abu Dhabi. It didn't happen there. He went back to Russia. And then when they finally told him, like, oh, you can fight in Jacksonville, he couldn't get out of the country. That, so that was not his fight, his fault for pulling out. The last time GSP fought was November of 2017. He fought Bisbing. And his last fight before that was 2013, which actually in my book still is a loss to Johnny Hendricks. He got his absolute ass kicked. And for whatever reason, I don't know if you remember, do you remember that fight, Russ? Not really. Yeah. You could probably look that one up now. It's been long enough, but so I just, I don't understand the, the whole legacy talk. Like I, I don't, I just don't like your legacy is not to fight GSP. If you want to fight GSP 10 years ago when you're in your prime now, love to see it. Cause that'd be some great grappling. It'd be, that'd be a great matchup, but a 40 year old GSP, I thought we saw him slow down against a Bisbing who he knocked out and Bisbing was at the end of his career. So I'm just, that doesn't interest me at all for him to fight GSP. He claims it's for legacy, but at the same time in the same sentence, he tells ESPN yesterday, Oh, it'd be great. It would sell a lot of pay-per-views. So where, where's your mind really at? You say you don't need the money, but I want to fight for legacy. It sells a lot of pay-per-views, which is money in your pocket. So I, I understand why he doesn't want to fight Connor. There's just a lot of bullshit that goes on with fighting Connor. And I, <clears throat> I think that Connor was a terrible, terrible, or Khabib was a terrible uh, matchup for Khabib or for Connor. I knew that Connor was going to lose that fight because the minute he went to the ground, he was done. Connor's ground game is shit. But I feel like if you're going to have the belt, your next fight is not GSP or for your legacy. Either you give up the belt. You move up weight classes like everybody else does if they say, hey, I'm done here. I've cleaned out the division. Or you turn around, you fight the winner of a Poirier and uh, McGregor. That's just my personal opinion. Like, I get it's your yeah. your legacy, but if you're done here and you don't want to fight those other guys, then vacate the belt, move on to another challenge, either move up or move down in a weight class and see what you can do. Go fight at 170. See what you can do. I don't know. Yeah, uh, I don't always agree with trying to force a guy to switch weight classes, though. Uh, I'm not know. saying force him, but I, I don't but know. Then on the other, right. So on the other hand, like you mentioned, a winner, Poirier, McGregor. I mean, those are his last two fights. He's already beaten both of them. Yeah. You know, to, that might not sound enticing to him to fight these guys he's already beat either. So I think which makes a very good point he has already beat these guys over his last two fights so in my opinion even though he's coming off a loss if Khabib wins this fight he fights Tony I would love to see that fight that's a fight they've been trying to make for years yeah. and somehow I mean Tony got hurt Khabib pulls out this thing was it was like four times now this fight's been canceled four or five times yeah yeah. I mean, that's really only the quote unquote contender no. left in that division to fight. I say, would, would he be the next? If, if Khabib wins, would Ferguson be the next potential matchup? I don't know who else would be in that division right now that's you want to throw in the ring with Khabib yeah. that hasn't that has proven so, themselves. Yeah. So, yeah, obviously got Khabib and Gaethje, Connor yeah. and Poirier. In my opinion, Ferguson is a step below those guys on the ladder. Yeah. 
but then after Ferguson, there's nobody. Yeah, I said Dan Hooker is another name I see on yeah. here. That I, uh, actually, you know what? That's know. he's coming off a loss too. But remember, before Hooker fought Poirier, everyone said Hooker was the next best thing, and he was going to be the man. Who else is on those? Are you looking at the rankings? Yeah, they got Paul Felder. No. Nope. Diego Ferreira. No. Nope. Uh, Ali Quinta. Nope. Kevin Kevin Lee. Big that's, no. That's down to that's down to ten already. So. No, none of those guys. Yeah. yeah, none of those guys. So that's the only thing I can think of is like I understand you want to fight for legacy, but GSP is not that fight. Not a forty-year-old GSP. That doesn't make sense to me at all. I don't think it'll make sense to Dana either. And is GSP really going to come back for one fight at forty years old? Yeah. Depends on the money, I guarantee him. Yeah. Is there? Uh, go ahead. I got another question off off this weekend. Uh, no, you go ahead. I was just gonna kind of repeat yeah. what I was saying. Have they have they mentioned anything else about Usman and Burns fighting again or no? Um, the rumor is that or I shouldn't say fighting again, but fighting since Burns got COVID, right? He tested yeah. positive, right? I believe the next fight Dana has confirmed will be. Uh, Usman Burns, right? Is that right, Russ? I think that was... Uh, I don't know that, actually. I thought Dana did uh, say that. I know that... Uh, it says it won't happen. I just looked it up. It says it's not going to happen. Usman I, Burns? That could be wrong. That's just the top. Yeah. Uh, uh, Kamar Usman, e Gilbert. ESPN uh, article. I don't know. I think Taylor keeps freezing a little bit. Yeah, his ESPN up. article from a couple weeks ago. Uh, Kamara Usman, Gilbert Burns, UFC welterweight title fight is not happening on December 12th. Sources said Monday. Uh, previously reported UFC 256 main event has been postponed because Usman needs more time to recover from undisclosed injuries. So if he's recovering from injuries, I would say they're not going to put a date on that until they're confident right. he's healthy. So it looks like supposed supposed to happen in December, but isn't. See, that's another guy too that he's a great fighter, is is Usman, but he just pisses me off. He's like got the Tyrone Woodley syndrome, like I'm the greatest ever. But then he always seems to find a way to not get in the ring. And it's like, why why do you not want to get in the ring? Like you're a great fighter, you're the champion. You got there for a reason, mm -hmm. but he always finds a reason to like, oh, I can't fight. Like, Usman talks a lot of shit to guys, but then he's always got a reason not to get three. He, I mean, he put off the Masvidal oh. fight for a long time, and then the only reason he fought Masvidal is because Burns tested positive for COVID, and he stepped in. Yeah. So what do you do about that? I mean, do you, do you force these guys into contracts where you're required to fight twice a year, or if you win the belt, you have to defend it within – yeah, I don't know. I eight months. Eight months. I I don't know. I mean, it, it clearly depends on like if you if you have obvious injuries, right? If you can say, yeah, I hurt mm -hmm. this, but if you know you come out of a fight and you got a you know, you broke your hand or there's some obvious injury, you got to have surgery or something. And again, I don't know what's going on in the background, but it just it, to me it seems like a pattern with this guy. Woodley was the same way. You know, I got I can't fight. I'm, I'm hurt. I'm not ready. And I just I don't I don't understand it. I'm not going to accuse him of dodging. I'm not accusing him of dodging fights. 
but I think they also know that the longer they hang on to that belt as the quote unquote champion. And if I'm hurt, then I can still make money doing endorsement stuff. I can sell myself as the champion of the division and make money mm-hmm. doing that. That's just my, right. just a thought out loud thought. Yep. Yeah. I mean, uh, no matter how you feel about it, it's going to be a good fight this weekend. So, yeah, no, I hope I can watch it. I might be in a hospital. She might be in labor right now. Yeah, I, I don't know. Hope you can. Yeah. I kind of hope you can. Cause I'm excited for this process to move along here, Kyle. Dude, the last like week has been just on pins and needles. Like, is this happening or not? You got, like, you got your bags packed, ready to go. I've had a bag in her car for like three weeks. <laughs> So I just, I, yeah. And then you won't use it. You'll just wear the same pants and t-shirt the whole time. Going to call Jim Carrey. To have him come in and like, listen to her like Ace Ventura. Just be like, <laughs> pop it out. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I hope I can watch it. If not, at some point I'll watch it or find a way to watch it. But I think it would be, and it's not because I don't like Khabib. I, mean, I just feel like Yeechee's probably his toughest matchup. And I almost think it'd be better for that division if Gaethje won just because he will turn around and fight again and we'll see these guys get back in the ring and fight. So if if Gaethje wins, you got Khabib at, coming off 28-0, he'd be 28-1. To give you could argue that he gets the immediate rematch, right? Right. But that's where if he doesn't want to fight forever and he just keeps putting it off <clears> – <throat> And then Dana's going to say, all right, I'm going to give the fight to so, somebody else. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, if you if you don't have the belt and you're not willing to fight right away, then, yeah, it gives them much more flexibility to uh, pair up a different fight. But I hope this we'll – see. I hope this Poirier-McGregor gets signed and makes official. See, that's another – that's another situation where until McGregor is in, physically in the octagon, I'm not going to believe it. It's like Marcus on the first tee. Correct. <laughs> yeah, I hope they do. I know the big thing with Connor is the money. He wants his pay-per-view cuts. He wants his gate yeah. tickets. And that's why he's lobbying for him to fight at Cowboy Stadium. Because so, they'll yeah. have fans. Yeah, I was watching the press conference with Dana. I don't know when it was. Maybe before last weekend. He said it will not happen at Cowboy Stadium right now because he's not putting only – 35,000 fans in that place. He he will he will wait until they can fill the place yeah. before they do that. I don't blame him for that reasoning. I don't either. Because if he can do it there and fill that stadium, right? how many people are you going to shove in that place? What does it hold now? Hold, what, 105, somewhere like that, and you probably put another 10,000 on the floor maybe? Yeah, you get the extra floor space. Yeah, That's crazy which the floor space probably wouldn't be as much as we're envisioning because you couldn't have somebody sitting 50 yards away without right. having them propped up. But, yeah, you could probably easily get another 10,000. Right. It, that would be interesting in there because – so I've been in, I've been on that field, and you look up, and it's just huge. That, Like, I don't know how even, like, watching a football game, you can see what's going on from the top of that stadium, let right. alone, yeah. you know – a. 26 foot diameter octagon 
Yeah. You could uh, you could probably put bleachers on the field to a degree before you but start blocking people up. You, right? That you can't. We got to remember at Dallas at their stadium. You can't put people in the suites on because those suites are on the bottom. Wouldn't so be able to do it. Yeah. You can't do. Wouldn't suites. be able to do that. Yeah, I wouldn't be able to do that anyways. No. So. Yeah, and if you you can't yeah you can't put too many bleachers because then you're blocking rows in the stands. You know Obviously what, you what, got you got the boards the scoreboards, but you know what wouldn't surprise me though is if they did sell the suites because the people are going to afford those they don't give a shit about watching the fight they're there for the atmosphere they'll just party in their suite and watch it on the TV. Right. I mean that's, that that could be a possibility. Yeah, even those video boards are. I was there actually just about four years ago because we were there the night the 2016 election happened and they actually while we were on the field doing everything we were doing they had the election like up on the board but that thing it's huge yeah it's monstrous so so she said yeah she did <laughs> didn't say to you <laughs> <laughs> hey you uh kyle you mentioned Marcus, it's got me thinking about golf. Do you think we're about to see an era, an era yeah. of Phil Mickelson dominating on the senior tour, or do you think that this will be? What's up? You you were cutting out big time on mine. Oh, my yeah, sorry. As, a, as a, to tell you to start over with your question. Oh, uh, do you think we'll see a new era of Phil Mickelson dominating on the Champions Tour, or do you think that this is a flash in the pan and he'll just fall into? fall into order with everybody else we got back-to-back -back wins on the two starts and when you watch him play it's like it doesn't even seem like they're on the same level he's hitting it a walmart past everybody every time it seems so you're asking me if i think if i think he'll dominate on that tour yeah will we see him look like a bernard langer or do you think that do you think he won't put a lot of time and effort into it we won't see a lot of stats put up i think at this rate bernard langer is gonna be caddying for phil phil's gonna kick everybody's ass on that tour yeah, I think for the next – if he played on that regularly for the next five to seven years, he could probably win half the events he plays. Yeah. I think we'll see that streak continue. But do you think we will – I don't think we'll see that, though, because I think that his ego is too big that he won't – he won't start playing in that until he's lost every mm -hmm. ounce I think, possibility of winning on the actual – I don't know. PGA I think he play. likes it. I think he enjoys it, and he underappreciated and underestimated the talent out there. Mm -hmm. Um. I think it's good competition for him, especially depending on course style and course setup if he's trying to get ready for an event. Yeah. Uh, it's I certainly think, a breath of fresh air to that. Yeah. I think going forward, we could see him 50-50 split his events, play like 12 on the big boy tour and then 12 on the champions yeah. tour, something like that per year. And like I say, of those, of those dozen on the champions tour, I wouldn't be surprised to see him win six to eight of them. Yeah. I think the only he person can play out there in to both compete. sets of major, right? Yes, as long yeah. as he's qualified. Yep. So I think uh, the only person out there to really give him a, a consistent run for his money is Furyk, who was what? Didn't Furyk go two for two in his first two events? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I agree with that. I think. Yeah, I think this is going to be. Uh, it's going to be easy pickings for Phil. To, to be honest, it'd actually be kind of exciting if they stayed on the Champions Tour. If, you know, if you put Furyk and Phil on the PGA Tour regularly, they're probably not really going to compete in more than one event per year, you know, for a legitimate chance of winning. But 
if you had yeah. those two and Freddie Couples and out there, you know, legitimately competing against each other in the Champions Tour, that, that bumps up the excitement of that tour big time. Yeah. Um, Purses will go up there too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think I like I like Phil out there. Um, the rumor is he's not so Tiger is going to play in Houston is the rumor right now. Phil doesn't want to play in Houston possibly uh, because is it the week before or two weeks before Augusta or a week? I think it's the week before. No. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't want to play because there's I think they're going to have fans and he doesn't want to be around anybody because he'd uh, rather just play at Augusta. I don't know if he's going to or not, but hmm. that was a story I read today. Yeah, because yeah, I know Tiger. I heard in his press conference because he's not. He said he's not playing next week, and depends on how he plays this week if he's going to play in Houston or not. Houston. I mean, we have the Masters coming up in what three weeks? It's three weeks yeah. from tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. It's a weird statement. <laughs> really weird statement. You might Just miss after it on Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> And I just read before we uh, we came on was Phil is testing a longer shaft in his driver to carry it further because he thinks Augusta is going to play softer and longer, a little more uh, damp, per se. Yeah, they so they they asked Tiger about that if he's ever played there in November time frame, and he said yeah. He said that course will play extra long. So he said the one the one year or the one time they played it, he said he played it right around around the same time it's going to be played he said into one and 18 he hit driver three wood really it did the ball does not carry he said it's just long so driver three wood i hope they do that i want to see yeah he's that that seems extreme on 18 for some reason (laughs) that's i can't picture i can't picture one but that seems extreme into 18 18 that means they're short of the corner yeah, yeah, but I, and who knows if he was, you know, if he was playing all the way back. I don't know if they put the tees all the way back. I don't, I don't know, but yeah, he said he won in eighteen. Also, listen again, but I appreciate. Huh. I know one for sure, and I'm guessing yeah. one was three wood in because if you don't get it up on top of the hill, you're hitting, you know, you're hitting twenty yards uphill at it. So, I'm sure that plays hmm. into it. He said the ball just doesn't fly in November there. So, I just want to see how that course plays in the fall. I don't want to see the Masters every year in the fall, but. I'm really curious to see how that course plays in the fall. So I thought that was interesting too. We're getting on the golf topic during, during the press conference this week with Tiger, they asked him, you know, about playing there with no fans and usually you can hear the roars. And he said, yeah, I remember playing, I think he said he was playing with couples in like 98, maybe. Um, and they heard a huge roar and he goes, I knew that was a Nicholas roar, which is funny talking about it. Right. Because everybody now says, I know that's a tiger roar. Right. So back yeah. when he started, it was a Nicholas roar, but now everybody knows that it's a tiger roar. Right. <laughs> All right. You guys got anything else you want to move on to our stars? Keep it move. Uh, Let's go. What do you want? Yeah, we can go stars. All right. Who wants to start? I can start. So my third star is Shidro Lewis, the running back from the Liberty Flames. 
Um, they beat Syracuse 38-21 on Saturday. He had 10 carries for 170 yards and two touchdowns. Is Liberty a D2 school? Oh. No, I think I think they're D1 now, and they're 5 or 6-0. and all. They're actually a very decent team, so. Huh. Excellent. That was more of a shot at Syracuse than anything. I hate Syracuse sports. <laughs> so do I. Go ahead, Kyle. I stole your stars last week, so we'll make sure that doesn't happen. Oh, all right. Third star, Brian Ortega. Brian Ortega oh. beat Korean Zombie last Saturday on Flight Island um, with a shaved head. We're all used to seeing Ortega with the big ponytail. He shaved it. I don't know if that was a weight cut issue or what, but either way, he shaved his head. He was – I think it was planned. He was donating it to that Locks of, Locks Love. of Love thing where they make wigs for kids, yeah. Um, probably the best I've ever seen Ortega. After he, I mean, he got his absolute ass kicked by Holloway. Kind of went yep. back to the drawing board. This fight's been planned for a while now, and it finally happened. Some people might know this, not know this. There was some animosity there. Uh, back when they had fans, Ortega and the Korean Zombie were respectful to each other, but they were in the stands, and somebody from the Korean Zombie's team had talked some shit on social media. So Ortega waited for the fighter to go to the bathroom, and he went over and slapped this dude who was standing there got kicked out i can't remember who the fight was who the card was that night but uh that did happen so there was some animosity there it didn't they didn't show it but ortega good win and i think he is up to fight volkanovsky next so yeah looking forward to that fight um my third star we were talking about a little, about him a little bit but uh trevor lawrence Saturday versus Georgia Tech. I think he pretty much only played first half of the game, right? Yeah. Did he play second half? Yeah, 24 of 33 passing, 404 yards, and five touchdowns in the first half. Those, yeah, are, first over, those are first overall numbers right there. <laughs> yeah, those were – we were golfing Saturday, and I looked at the scores, and it was like 28-7 with like six minutes left in the first half. And then Russ – oh, what? We were standing on the third tee, which was our, you know, what, 12th hole, 13th hole. I texted Russ. Russ, goes, Russ yeah. goes, oh, it's 52 to seven and a half. <laughs> I'm like, holy shit. I texted Russ, like, oh, Clemson just scored 52 points. Yep. That's crazy. Yep. My second star is Mike Norvell in Florida State. Obviously, being a Florida State fan, um, beat number five North Carolina 38 21 on Saturday, had two block punts. Um, and finally looked like they're coming alive. And it was a huge, I think it was a huge moment for Norvell. Um, I think it's going to change the recruiting down there in Florida. So hopefully it turns that program around. I have a college football question for you. I'm ready. I think I tweeted it earlier. How are big Ten teams ranked and they haven't even played games? But right. It's the same thing as putting a ranking out before the year starts. So Yeah, but everybody else has played games. Right, but no, but I'm saying the beginning of the year before anybody even plays, they put rankings out. So, no, I understand that, but nobody in the Big Ten's played games and everybody else has, right? But yeah, I, I know what you're saying, but it's, I mean, right, but it's no different than putting a ranking out before everybody even plays, right? And people have played, that's my point. <laughs> well, I understand, but you, you know, what Big Ten teams are going to be good, yeah. So, so you're going to not rank Ohio State, and then when they beat. 
it was more by, it was more sarcasm ohio state adam <laughs> sorry <laughs> it was more of a sarcastic comment of everybody else's play big 10 isn't but they're still ranked yeah i'm just glad everybody's back besides the pac-12 i don't like the pac-12 but yeah for a couple more weeks till they're back all right my second star of the week is mookie betts uh last night game one two for four home run where I feel like Mookie actually was an impact was not the home run. The home run was after they already scored, what, four or five points? Four or five runs, I'm sorry. Mookie Betts and the Dodgers, in my opinion, were textbook and running the bases last night. They yes. were very aggressive. We talked about this last week. <clears throat> that was textbook how you win playoff baseball games. You get guys on base, you create chaos, you throw pitchers out of rhythm. Dodgers did that last night. Mookie Betts was – fantastic on the bases last night so uh yeah. other than the home run he had a good game last night so my second star is mookie Betts. Let, let me ask you guys about that real quick go on baseball quick so last night so glass now i don't know i don't know what inning it was the fifth inning he had like over 100 pitches already dodgers had a guy in second and third they left him out there to throw well the alcs morton had 65 pitches through like five innings and one hit and they pull them out of the game. I'm like, if there was ever a time, like, I don't get, I don't get that. Is it a matchup thing with managers with lefties versus righties or. I, I don't know. They're somewhat taking a matchup thing out of the game now because you, you bring a pitcher and he's got to face at least three hitters. Right. It used to be you bring a lefty specialist to match up against a lefty. You'd throw one at bat and then he'd, be yanked out of there but you can't do that anymore right i i've enjoyed watching the last couple rounds of baseball i grew up playing baseball and it's been exciting but there's a lot that goes on in this this modern baseball that pisses me off and like and that's one of them yeah you got morton in there throwing a gem last week and you yank him in the fifth inning like 20 30 years ago the way Morton was throwing, you'd have been debating, okay, do you let him throw the complete game or mm. do you let him only throw eight and then bring your closer in? Right. I, I, it makes no sense to me to have a guy that's dominating. They're showing him on the TV right now. Maybe they're arguing the same thing. It, yeah. Why, why take him out when he's dominating and then hope the reliever can replicate what he's doing? Well, how many times in the last and, few years have we seen pitchers get yanked who are throwing no-nos? But they yeah. take him out because of pitch count. Yeah, yeah. It's the same with the, the same with the small ball talk. I mean, I've always been a National League guy. Like you said, the Dodgers last night. I think Mookie had the two stolen bases. I think they had four or five as a team. They had a double steal was, at one point. It, yeah, it was just fun to watch the small ball stealing bases kind of stuff. Because Adam, I just saw you laugh. I texted you last week. Yeah. I don't know what it was. I think it was game one when they were they were tied late in the game. Yeah. The Braves, yep. they being the Braves and Dodgers. And I think it was the top of the eighth. Marcelo Zuna hit a double to lead off the inning. And I bunt? text Adam and I'm like, why don't they lay down a sack bunt? It, again, 10, 15 years ago would have been automatic. Osuna lead off double, you sack bunt him over, and then you've got a couple chances to get him home. And it could be as simple as a sack fly. Or Instead, uh, Osuna gets the double, and I think it was Darno just grounded out to third, and Osuna still yeah. stand on second. Right. It's, and yeah, he didn't move over. He can, he can right. score on a wild pitch if he's on third. I think there's uh, only been one sack bunt the entire playoffs, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. Yeah. 
Yeah. And that was I I don't even know. I think it was game seven of the Astros Rays game, which is crazy that because the AL never sac- sacrifices. Which which I don't understand. Like to me the the strategy of a sack bunt still it doesn't matter what league you're in. But I mean you're right, the AL never does it, but I don't know. And if anything, you got a DH in there who should be more used to handling a bat than a pitcher does. You'd yeah. think they would have just as good a chance to land down a bunt. Yeah, and, and that's what that's what we and I always talk about this. I would much rather watch the National League just because of those decisions that have to be made. And yes. if they move to the DH, I mean, now, don't get me wrong, if they move to a full DH on the Brave sign Ozuna to a five year contract, I'm gonna be pretty pumped about it. But at the same time, I would much rather watch a National League game where you got to manage with the pitcher. I never understood why, because I'm not a big fan of the shift. I feel like that's... Right, uh, uh, that's you guys are going to have me rant my ass off here. <laughs> I hate the shift. I, I, I think, agree. Um, I wish... I'd like to yeah, see more ahead. guys would get the sack to just... You want to throw the shift on me? I'm going to bunt it down the other line. Yes. Mm-hmm. You see David Ortiz do that all the time. Yeah. I agree. I wish there were some rules against that. Some sort of a, an area where you had to stay as a defensive player. Yeah. We've last night, we already saw like half a dozen at bats where the Rays had four outfielders. Yeah. They shifted the outfield over and sent the second baseman out to right field and only had three guys in the infield. I, I don't know. It's the old school guy. I mean, but I, I'm, yeah. I'm not I a agree. fan of that either. So, but you get, we get free tacos next week. So yeah. Feel base, feel a taco, and shit your pants after. Jesus. Hey, whatever you want to do with it, go ahead. Do your own taco thing. Uh, All right. Where the hell are we at? Second star. For me. All right. We'll keep it on baseball. I'm going to give a shout out to both the American and National League Championship Series MVPs. So in the AL, it was Randy Arozarena, the guy who prior to three weeks ago, I had no clue who he was. Uh, He became the first rookie position player to win a league championship series MVP. He hit 321 against the Astros with four home runs. And he's kind of been a breath of fresh air, just a ball of energy out there. It's fun to watch. And in the NL, Corey Seager ripped it up pretty good in that series. He hit 310, five home runs. Uh, two doubles, eleven ribbies, and nine runs scored in the seven games. So it's pretty, pretty good series for Seager. Uh, that Dodger offense, once they wake up, and I think Tampa's, well, it's three nothing Tampa right now in this game. But Dodgers once that wake offense up, gets like up last night to the fifth inning, so yeah, once that offense wakes up, man, they're tough to stop. So my my second stars, the MVPs. My my first star is the founding member and still president of the NHL pronunciation guide. He has won eight Emmys as a broadcaster, seven straight. Uh, Doc Emmerich, who retired this week, um, almost 50 years of announcing games. So congrats to him. Definitely one of the best to do it. My first star of the week is the man who pushed us over the edge big time on DraftKings, Derrick Henry with over 200 yards this week and a couple touchdowns. Thank you, Mr. Henry. My bank account just got bigger because of you. (laughs) 
And my first star of the week, I'll keep it short because you already named him, was Mookie Betts, mainly for his performance in game one last night. Defensively, he shined in the uh, series against the Braves. I text Adam saying, man, if you're a Red Sox fan watching this, you got to be puking yeah. a little bit. Yeah. I don't know why they got rid of him. 28-year-old yeah. 20, so, in his prime. Yeah. <laughs> so, Mookie Betts tearing it up. All right, buddy. It's dud time. Yeah, I, I kind of feel bad because I had one, but we really uh, we already beat the horse. My dud of the week was the NFC East as a whole. I mean, I don't think I've ever looked at standings in NFL football this far in and have seen this many one and fives, and two and four. I mean, is will this be the first season we ever see a team make it to the playoffs with four wins? Because I saw earlier today that four? no one's ever made it with. Four, four wins. No, I don't know. I don't think four. I think they have too many divisional games left for that to happen. It'd be tough. I I'd think... throw five bucks on it. <laughs> it's, dude, it's what are the odds? It never seems to stop amazing me, whether it's good or bad. So, yeah. I know yeah, we, we definitely... it, but that's, they got to be the dud of the week. It's just, well, they're the dud of the season so far. What the hell? Yeah. yeah. No, you're, you're right. We did talk about it quite a bit, but no, that, that's a good one. That's a good I even guy. saw articles about whether or not the NFC East should be disbanded and absorbed by the other <laughs> division. <laughs> uh, that's a good dud. I'm not talking about one. I'm talking about Google. <laughs> so I also have a dud this week. And I actually texted it to Taylor. And he disagreed with my dud. My dud this okay. week is John Wall. And I don't know if you guys had a chance to see this, but John Wall wow. was doing an interview with somebody from ESPN, one of the shows. And I understand where, where Taylor's like, oh, that's, that's BDE right there. Like, whatever you want to call it. But I thought it was an asshole move by John Wall. You, you can't take, you agree to do an interview and it's over Zoom, over Skype, whatever. You can't take 15 minutes out of your day to do it. The guy was playing cards with friends at his table in the middle of the interview and <laughs> at one point the guy asked him a question and he's like he was like talking to other people and he's like i'm sorry can you repeat that question it was just a very like asshole thing to say and like in my opinion right now he's an example of why the nba is just going downhill ratings were unbelievably low uh, for the whoa. uh ratings were so low <laughs> for the finals it wasn't even funny so it's because lebron played <laughs> that is. so my dud john wall my dude, that was yeah. So that there was something I I saw is that so that game seven of the NLCS had like nine point nine million viewers or whatever, and it was even I think games four through seven of the NLCS were all higher viewership than any of the finals games. I believe it. Which is crazy, and that's just the NLCS. That's not even the World Series. Yeah. What's sad for the NBA too is. I feel like Adam Silver might be one of the better commissioners in all of these sports organizations. Yep. But he's got some of the worst players as far as like setting examples, in my opinion. Attitude, he, attitudes are terrible. He's by far the best of the four major. We had that debate in, with some of my friends the other day. That he's he's by far, without the doubt, probably the best commissioner there is right now. I might throw the PGA Tour commissioner uh, either with well, him or above him, but we're going major, the major four. Of the, of the major four, he's by far the best. You just knock golf off the pedestal, Adam. Well, they're not the major four sports, so 
No. According to the ratings, they are. That's true. Well, that'd be major. He's got a point. <laughs> He's got a point. <laughs> that's major five, then, not major four. Well. All right, gentlemen, if you don't have anything else, that's it for episode 35. Be sure to check us out on threestarrecruits.com. Check out the other podcast, DFS Units, weekly in the mornings. My picks tonight, not looking so hot. But we got plenty of time to turn it around. Uh, so yeah, go check it out. Check out the website. And I'll see you guys next week.